Let us welcome in our ah. pal Joel Klatt, lead yes. college football analyst at Fox Sports. He joins us, presented by Audi Flatirons. Just got done calling another CU game, the USC game, and he joins us now. Good morning, Joel. Good morning. What's going on, fellas? Uh, another. Hey, at what point were you about ready to just uh, empty the uh, empty the whole bank of uh, things that you had studied for that game before it became before it turned around? I mean, just what an exciting game it was, and how cool was that comeback to be a part of that to be able to call that game? Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was it was an interesting game because it was so starkly different from the first half to the second half. And, you know, the success that USC was having uh, basically abruptly ended in a lot of respects, and Colorado started moving the ball. It was it was wild. And, and I got to tell you, the, the only thing that made it uh, – I mean, it was exciting. But when the last portion of the game is mismanaged to that degree, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And maybe I'm just being the old guy that shouts at the clouds, but my goodness, they're – Colorado's last series was atrocious. Pro, well, I'll tell you what. You want to listen? This is what Prime said about that yesterday. You want to, here, let me let me play some of it. Here, here was Prime talking about the issues down the stretch when it came to clock management. We had one timeout because we had exhausted on foolishness of uh, personnel, um, special teams personnel, defense. Um, I'd rather take a timeout than risk six points not having 10 people on the field. So not having enough time, I understand that. Because in those moments, the now is more important than the future. He, okay, you want to respond to that, first of all? Yeah, I mean, no. That was about the timeouts, which I, I understand. You you make mistakes and you put yourself in that type of position. And and I can understand that. But, but the mismanagement in in the last offensive series yeah. was somewhat stark and egregious. Um, and, and I don't know who is necessarily, you know, at fault. I, I will tell you this. When, when you get the ball and, and you have one timeout left and it's a two-possession game and there's about six minutes to go in the game, it's, it's pedal to the metal because the last thing you want to do is put yourself up against a wall and, and – be pushed into a situation where you have to kick an onside kick. The whole goal of that series is yes, score a touchdown, but give yourself a chance because on, an onside kick is not really a chance. It's a prayer and, and you don't want to put yourself in that situation. So that drive has to be, it has to be enacted. It has to be played as if there's, you know, a minute 20 on the clock, not six minutes on the clock. So when that happens, you've got to go out there in full two-minute mode. You cannot run the football. You cannot take a sack. You can't throw or complete a ball short of the chains. All of these rules, general rules, and like a hyper two-minute drill have to apply right there because of the situation in the game. And, and they just methodically took their time running the football into the middle of the line of scrimmage several times. Like, yeah, it, it, it was wild to me. So – it's it's notwithstanding the timeout. That's that's a different conversation. You know, the, this conversation, I just don't feel like Colorado gave themselves the best chance to win at the end of the game. Now, having said that, you know, they put themselves into a deep, dark hole partly because of, of the brilliance of the quarterback on the other side. 
Can we talk about Caleb Williams a little bit? Because after, and this kind of segues into the, the Broncos as well, uh, when they were getting destroyed 28-7, to I, I sent out a tweet. I said, hey, I know it hurts right now, but the good news is you're putting yourself in a position to get Caleb Williams. Once the game was over and the Broncos had come back, there was a, we heard a lot of this on, on Monday, the idea, hey, you know, tanking doesn't always work out. Uh, who says Caleb Williams is going to be an automatic? All this and all that. And I was immediately writing down to myself, can't wait to talk to Joel. So tell me about a quarterback. Is You've seen a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of highly touted quarterback prospects, can't miss prospects. What do you have to say about Caleb Williams? I, I think Caleb is, is the best that I've covered um, in my career. And, and the reason is, is because he's, great to elite in every category that you can evaluate. And, and that's never happened before um, for me. He is, basically there's five categories, okay? Like what is a quarterback with his mind? You know, like does he really understand the game and, and can he uh, manipulate the game with his mind, okay? Understand the schematics. Can he control the game from the pocket with anticipation and accuracy and timing? Um, can can he create outside of the pocket? What does he do when things break down? Can he make you right? That's the third one. Requisite arm talent, you know, that's, that's the fourth one. And then the last one would be, can he be a threat with his legs as a runner? Those are really the five areas where, where I look at a quarterback. And, and this guy does not have a weakness across those five areas. Uh, like I said, he's great to elite in every single one of those categories. Every quarterback that I've ever evaluated, at least in my career, has been, I would say, deficient. Not just like isn't great, but like deficient in at least one area at this stage in their career. Even Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. He was having to learn the game, being a former baseball player. He had no ability to throw with anticipation and, and timing from the pocket. He was a creator, and he had immense arm talent. You know, and now he's the best player on the planet. So, so that's why there's so much buzz around Caleb. Is just the balance to his game, and and the real concept that there aren't many weaknesses right now, and he's at a stage in his career where there should be a weakness. Um, he, he is a true weapon, and I think that he's somewhat of a unicorn in the regard of what he does out there as a five-tool player. Um, just as a selfish aside, because I know you covered him a bunch, C.J. Stroud, how does he compare? I've got Houston this weekend, and on tape right now, the kid is playing exceptionally well, Joel. I mean, yeah. accurate, manipulating the pocket, uh, understanding where to get rid of the football. You know, he'll read the front side. It's not there. Automatically gets to his check down. It's like it's it's a shocking to watch him. It's shocking how well he's playing. Yeah, and, and that's generally, I would say, you know, um, one of the things that you can expect from a Ryan Day quarterback, which is why I've actually been fairly surprised that Fields has struggled to the point he has, and maybe that's just an organizational failure. But Stroud in those five categories, he was an elite arm player. He was an elite manipulator in the pocket with accuracy and anticipation. He was very smart, understood what he was seeing. 
I always had questions about his ability to create when things break down and then what he was going to be as a threat with his legs. And, and I know that that's a little bit less important at the NFL game, but it's, it's still important. The, the main things that you want to look at, though, are the ability to control the game from the pocket, and he does that. He's playing ridiculously well, and if you actually, you know, and this is what was so stupid about the draft process. It was a bunch of basement breathers that don't actually know what they're watching that decided that they wanted to take off and, and, and kill this kid for some stupid test score, some cognitive BS. And here's what happens is that you don't watch the game. You don't understand that quarterbacking is a bottom-line proposition. Is the ball on time and on target, period. That, that tells you everything you need to know about whether a player understands what he's looking at and whether he can perform. And that the ball was on time and on target a significant amount of time with C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. He had great receivers, albeit, yep, and, and didn't play a great level of competition until some of those games. But in his most difficult games, in particular against Georgia, he was outstanding. And so the narrative surrounding C.J. was never accurate and never truthful. And I think some are surprised at the success that he's having in the NFL, but that's based on believing a false narrative rather than actually watching what he was at Ohio State and understanding that the football showed up on time and on target the majority of the time. Visit with Joel Clapp presented by Audi Flatirons. When it was all said and done on Sunday, did you feel good about the Broncos' win over the Bears? I mean, I, uh, I, I don't know. It was a pretty gross performance defensively, and the offense kind of bailed them out. Like, I, the, the defense, something's terribly wrong with the Denver defense. Um, I don't know if I can put my finger on it. At times, it looks like uh, egregious effort. At times, it looks like a scheme that is not sound, in particular in gap responsibility. I mean, just getting gashed in the run game. That's alarming to see in the NFL. Generally, doesn't happen in the NFL unless you're the 98 Broncos and you're, and you're cutting it back with Terrell Davis. That, that's, that's an alarming thing. So do I feel good? I, I don't know. Um, I think that if you were just watching this offense and the improvement that we've seen on the offensive side this year over last year, you'd be really excited. But but the regression of the defense, I think, is is somewhat shocking from a year ago. Yeah, it has been. It has been one of those things schematically with all the, you know, the pinch and the scrape stuff with the linebackers, Joel, and guys getting washed two, three yards out of their gap responsibility. It's it, it's what creates it and. You know, I was telling Mike this, over the course of my career, one of the things that, you know, whenever we had one of those games where it just wasn't very good, we always used to, and I, I, I referenced the Neil McCoy song, he's probably the guy who beat you up in the in the Montana bar. Probably. Neil McCoy. Big, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you probably had a right. big it, belt buckle. In fact, I think his belt buckle actually said, I'm the real McCoy. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. When you were looking up at that bell buckle and he's That's about right. to stomp you with I his cowboy see. boots. And then it was it was like, just like I just looked up and saw that giant belt buckle and then the bottom of his boot. Right. <laughs> but but one of the things that I always think about is uh is that small up and simple down. Keep it simple. When when we start playing slow, we start making mistakes, you start having coverage bust, you start have it's oftentimes with coaching stuff, there's too much stuff in. Like you you you, you paralyze your players because they have too much to think about and they can't play fast. 
Um, and, and that's kind of what I see with this Broncos defense. But I want to talk to you a little bit about Russell Wilson and the improvements that you've seen that he has made here the, in, just, in just four games under Sean Payton. Well, I, I see him operating Sean's system. I see him playing on time. And, and I don't see him trying to, to go above what the system is requiring him to do. I, I think that he got out of himself. First of all, he, he wanted to become something that he wasn't last year. And, and now Sean is building an offensive system that is tailored to his skill set. And then he's just operating the system. So, so when that combination occurs, I think generally speaking, you know, you're going to get quality play out of a quarterback and out of an offense. What tends to break down is either a coach falls in love with his own scheme. Uh, that's, that can happen. And then players aren't in position to succeed based on what their strengths are. Um, players are trying to go above the system or do something that's not required within the, the system and things can be amiss. And then the last thing is, is like, or you just don't have the requisite talent, right? And it's just like, they're just not good enough. Well, I I don't think he's just not good enough. And so something else was going on. And I believe it was the combination of the first two. The system that they were trying to run last year was was not conducive to his skill set. And I don't believe that he was doing the things within the offense that would have allowed that system to make progress, uh, if you want to call it that. Now, I believe that Sean has built something Russell can operate, and Russell is operating it very soundly. That's what I see. And when you see that, you see a guy that's generally in rhythm. The ball is coming out quickly. The ball is, is, is accurate to some degree. And it's finding the spots in the defense that have a hole there. Because you're not sitting there waiting and trying to create all the time. What you're doing is you're utilizing what the system tells you to do, which generally will tell you to put the football where the defense ain't. Hey, when you were sitting in Mark's chair, we used to do a segment called QB on QB, where you would really lend your your quarterback perspective. Last year, the Broncos were among the league's worst in pre-snap penalties. And once again this year, they're having the same issue. They had five the other day. Sean Payton offered this explanation. I want you to listen to it. Yeah, I think the noticeable progress still needs to be made is the false start. You know, it's still, you know, you can't be third and one and then end up third and six. You, you just can't do that. And and I'm sure that there's a number of things that are contributing to it. we got to streamline the cadence so we're all on the same page and get that cleaned up. Is this a, is this a Russ issue? Is this a quarterback issue that there's something about the way that his cadence is causing these false starts last year and this year? Well, first of all, as, as a quarterback, your, your cadence has to be consistent, all right? Now, that has nothing to do with the inflection, just the consistency, right? And so if, if you're changing the, the rhythm of your cadence, that, that can be a problem. That's number one. Um, now we move into just like snap count choice. And, and here, here's, here's how I would say it. I always felt like in short yardage situations, unless you're explicitly trying to get them to jump, what you'd rather do is be on, on somewhat of a foundational cadence because a full start there is a, a giant issue. Third and one to third and six is a, is a massive issue. You're basically taking the ball out of your hands 
from a percentage standpoint, you know, for, if you're sitting at a blackjack table, you're trying to put the odds in your hands, right, by understanding what cards are on the table, and that's not putting the odds in your hands. Okay. So so when do you want to use a, a cadence? Well, when, when a first down, when a, fir, when a false start, I'm sorry, when an offside would barely give you a first down. So when it's third and five, okay, and how do I – do this well now i'm going to use a, a, a cadence when when it's second and long and i can buy a five free yards like when the five yards are a huge deal for me now i'm going to use a cadence that that's going to cause an offside if not i i always believed and listen i think some people would disagree with this but i always believed that you should be somewhat in rhythm this is, there's a reason why inside the five-yard line you never use a hard cadence because the half the distance of the goal doesn't ma- matter as compared to the five yards that you lose. Conversely, if you're backed up inside your own five, you always use a hard cadence because the five yards that you gain is massive compared to the half the distance that you would go if you fall start. So to me, it's about risk and reward and understanding what you're trying to do with that play, what the advantage is, and what the five yards would actually give you. All right. Yeah, you said the same thing, Mark. But but so what what can Russ be better at? What what does he need to change, or what do these offensive linemen need to change? Who who's the onus on? I mean, well, my, the, the wrong guy to ask because I would say I would look at my linemen and just be like, really, like, do what, do, you, do you not know the do you not know the snap count, like? That's that would be frustrating. I think that's an offensive line issue. Ooh, Mark, care to respond to that? Offensive line issue? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, Joel you, just called out the offensive lineman. It, it listen, it's it's a bit of everybody. If it's not if it's not rhythmic, and which I told you, if the snap count isn't rhythmic, if you've got a bad snap count and you stay out of a rhythm, then that's on the quarterback. But if you're in rhythm and your offensive lineman's just you, you guys are too stupid to to know the snap count. So there, I mean, there are plenty of blame to go around. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know which one is correct. I don't know if it's a bad snap count or bad cadence. But I've been with a quarterback that had a bad cadence. It was miserable. It was miserable to play with a guy that has a non-rhythmic cadence. All right, good explanation yeah. as always. Quarterback on quarterback, I love it. Joel, thank you, pal. Who you got this week? Uh, I've got Ohio State and Maryland. So headed to Columbus. All right, all right, all right. Hang out there with uh, Ryan Day and Lou Holtz. Thank you, Joel. Yellow 80, yellow 80, <laughs> Joel Clapp presented by Audi Flatirons.